Welcome to the Non-Breaking Space Show from Austin, Texas. I'm Christopher Schmidt, and on today's show, we catch up with tech and cultural news with Simon St. Laurent. Before we get started, some things I'd like you to know. The AccessU Summit is a virtual conference on digital accessibility techniques and policies taking place online on May 18th. Early bird tickets now on sale at accessusummit.com. Make plans for CSS DevConf 2017 and New Orleans. Grab the early bird tickets and join Chris Coyer, Wes Boss, Minnie Markham, Harry Roberts, Sarah Drasner, Estelle Weil, and many, many more. Tickets are on sale at cssdevconf.com. The UX Design Newsletter is a weekly list of articles, tutorials, inspiration handpicked by yours truly. Sign up at uxdesignnewsletter.com and have the best links of the week sent to your email. And speaking of email, you can have this show sent to your inbox every week. When there's a new show, they'll get sent right away. Sign up at newsletter.notbreakingspace.tv. And speaking of notbreakingspace.tv, that is where you go to find show notes and links discussed in today's episode. And be sure to follow me on Twitter at Telejet, T-E-L-E-J-E-C-T. And as always, thanks for liking and telling others about the Non-Breaking Space show. Now, the tribe has spoken. Yeah, thanks for thanks for being on the podcast. It's been a while since we yeah. since we talked. We usually do this like once a month, but then I think uh, holidays got in the way, and now they got in the way. Just like I've gotten in the way, or things happen. Like things happen. Yeah, more important things happen, and so that's okay. Cool, uh, but nothing's more important than the show, right? But uh, of course, cool. Yeah, so uh, of course, this is uh, when we get together. We always do a countdown news events that we think uh, were interesting, and so uh, first one up. Number nine. Uh, the Angular Conference, or more apt, the signage at the Angular Conference. Because you actually went to the Angular Conference. Yes. Right. And where, what, yeah. where was it? It was in Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. It was at the Great America Hotel, which is like way over the top to start with. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of gilded furniture and uh, people playing harp in the hallways. Uh, they they added to that. They had a guy playing the Himalayan bowls that you like rub to make this kind of spooky, amazing sound. Um, but they're, they're signs. Like I, I posted these things on Facebook because they just kind of grabbed my attention and people were like, ooh, what does that mean? Yeah. Uh, and, and it's an interesting mix because some of them are all about their code of conduct mm-hmm. and even those are really interesting. Right. Um, the, the one that caught me first, they, they sometimes clustered them. Yeah. So, you know, it's like avoid topics and issues that are polarizing. Okay, that's trying to keep the, the waters from getting too royal. Mm-hmm. And then next to it, they put empathy is the new bacon, which <laughs> is kind of saying the same thing. But I, I don't know, bacon lovers, empathy haters, they might not agree with that. Right. And it could be polarizing. So, um, yeah, some people yeah. could be, uh, you'd be, you can have empathy and, and be vegan. So I'm not sure that'd be kind of. I know, yeah, I know. Yeah. It, it seems to get it seems to get complicated. I didn't actually hear anybody at the show complain. It just kind of was was funny. Um, the other one that really like hit a chord was avoid trying to further romantic interests. Uh-huh. Uh, yes, yes. Which I think you know they only meant during the show with people you're not already attached to. There, there are probably a whole like bunch of footnotes on that. Right. But <laughs> I think I think the basic reality is that a conference is not really a great place to attempt romantic interests in the first place. Right. Uh, 
And, you know, especially with code of conduct stuff, they, they were much blunter than I had ever been. And I liked the way they did it because they, they opened up by, you know, saying we have to talk about this. And the reason we have to talk about this is that there are people who are not here this year. And he said, you know, first there are people who are not here because they are forever barred from coming here. So it's clear that there had been violations. And then he said, and there are people here, this is Aaron Frost, the organizer, yeah. uh, who are not here because they just don't feel comfortable here. Yeah. Uh, because of either past violations or, you know, things that weren't violations but don't necessarily make people feel happy. Right. So a lot of what their signs were about, you know, the ones that I've read are you know, kind of more explicitly connected to uh, behave yourself kind of stuff. Um, and they have, you know, how we handle violations and the usual kind of legal stuff. But they also have like quotes from Fred Rogers about, you know, how to achieve success. The first way is to be kind. The second way is to be kind. The third way is to be kind. Uh, you know, they have things from like the Dalai Lama and help everyone you see feel welcome. Uh, they have one that's like a weird little bit of markup, which is like, if you feel uncomfortable here, we should help you with that. Um, so I, you know, you come to a conference, you, you throw great conferences. I, you know, I haven't sensed like great tension in the hallways among people. Mm -hmm. Um, but getting this right is really difficult. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I sometimes wonder if the tech world is an especially difficult place because techies famously lack social skills, at least conventional social skills. Um, but then I think about other kinds of conferences I've been at, and I've, I've heard of other conferences having similar issues and similar stories. Um, you know, I'm just kind of wondering if maybe the NG Cup folks have a lesson here that pretty much everybody can can take they're mm -hmm. um, just saying it's a conference you're welcome isn't enough you have to push harder on it uh, to make it to make it work and you definitely need to encourage your attendees to be good to each other mm -hmm. uh, because sadly that that isn't always the default yeah yeah I think it's um, I, I was when you posted the 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 you know the, the photos of the pictures. I just never had been to a conference where it was uh, so instilled with like these posters and these groupings of posters that you say like it's not like you know a poster here or there. It's you know there's a there's everywhere. Yeah, it was like like everywhere. Like there was and you know and they're like green posters. You know with you know it's it, they're nicely done. You know they weren't like you know they're nicely done posters. You know and uh, so the money and time went to them and um, and I was just amazed. Like you know like it felt like wow they're they're like, right. are they hitting the nail on the head or are they just like, like sledgehammering the nail on the head? Well, uh, so is so it the, the conference, the conference chatter I heard was pretty much positive about it. Okay. Um, I mean, it's obvious that they had a budget for signs mm -hmm. that was unlike any I have ever worked with. Okay. Uh, the other thing is that it connected pretty deeply with the conference organizers personalities. Okay. So Aaron Frost and Dave Geddes are the, chairs or organizers and there's a committee with them it's not just them but those are the two that i know right. and like they did a keynote at fluent a few years ago that was called the goodness of javascript mm -hmm. and it was all about how awesome the community was and how i mean this was like 
it, it was sort of a happy cheerleading talk, but it was real. Like they were really doing it. It wasn't just everything is great. It's all going to be perfect. It was, you know, really genuine. And, and we knew it was genuine because the year before they'd been giving themselves electric shocks in their talks. So it, you know, <laughs> well, actually they've been letting the audience give them electric shocks every time they said, um, or, uh, Oh, nice. um, it was to demonstrate the um, completely insane things you can do with JavaScript. Okay. Um, so I think the fact that it really came from the organizers and fit with the personality that was on stage right. made a big difference. I think if it was like an icy cold conference and these posters showed up, mm-hmm. it would have been awkward and terrible. Yeah, so it had to be consistent, right, with, with what they were trying to say and on stage as well as, you know, you know, messages that they were trying to promote because like, you don't want that inconsistency or um just to go with with you know you, you try it or just or try to like whitewash it you know or something like that so just trying to like say or just you know with a thin coat of paint it's like hey it's just uh right. just uh yeah this is totally what we mean here's a code of conduct and everything like that so um but yeah but what i felt like it's like another thing is like these posters are kind of like logo up top with a saying below them and you know just kind of a monochrome uh type of color like this red one with various shades or whatever um so just yeah. just and like so just to read off some of them you know this is just one poster the roots of goodness lie in the soul of appreciation dalai lama uh another poster the present moment is filled with joy and happiness if you are attentive you will see it uh, um, uh another poster is i try to lead by example you Yes. So I, I like I it's like putting I, words in your mouth. Yeah, I said that. Oh my gosh! Like, oh my god, I must have been really good. I don't, I don't know what to talk about. Uh, be kind. Everyone you meet is fighting a battle you know nothing about. Uh, so it was like like mindfulness in a way. It was trying to instill yeah. that to to a lot of people, and so like it'd get people out of their their heads would be one thing. And so, um, and um, I was just kind of was really kind of blown away by that. I'm just not sure how many posters. Of this type, you know, there's lots of posters that you need for signage in terms of wayfinding for people to get from one point to another right. point. So I just didn't know how many posters would you say were devoted to like code of conduct or. Um, I think so. like fifteen. Fifteen. Um, I didn't take every sign, every wayfinding poster, but there were pictures of the wayfinding posters in my set. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really impressed that it didn't just turn into a cluttered disaster mm-hmm. um, because it was, you know, the the show was in a a big ballroom, uh, the middle day, they split it into three. Um, they also had like tutorials and, uh, there was a service day on the Saturday, Hmm. um, all of which had their own signage, but it didn't, I didn't lose the wayfinding signage in this other signage, even though they looked pretty similar. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't like they used one color for one thing and another color for another. Right. Right. Very mixed up. Right. I felt like that was also, uh, when I looked at them, I thought, as a designer, I thought, hey, that's pretty, you know, I'm going to say like stupid. But then I realized that was actually pretty key because then you can't tune them out, right? Because right. if you just knew it was all one color, like yellow would be, you know, the empathy ones. And I could just like, oh, I don't have to look at yellows anymore because it, it's telling me the same message. But they're all, you know, same kind of design yeah. but different colors. I actually have to read each one to figure figure out what's going on. So, Yeah, and I guess it was, I don't know, there was a show where, Everything else was was great. The mm. food was great. The you know they they had snacks in the afternoon. Mm. I, I can sit around and eat shredded coconut and miniature M and M's all day. That that's <laughs> totally fine with me. Um, you know, it just it it was all of a piece somehow. Um, and yeah, I 
if it had been done at most other shows, especially most other big shows, yeah. I, I think it would be hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I, th- I think your shows actually these would probably fit in quite nicely because you've already got that kind of spirit coming from the the stage. Mm. Um, I'm not sure you're going to go out and print. 20 posters of the Dalai Lama either. Uh, But uh, it just, it has to fit. It has to be right. Right. In this case, I think it was. Yeah. I don't think you could just use these as a thin candy shell over an otherwise, I don't know, uncaring, cold, heartless conference. Yeah. The the loan sharking conference. (laughs) Yeah, because that's, it doesn't be a loan shark conference, but I just feel like, um, you know, what it's, say about our industry and i don't think the answer to this like uh our industry that we have you know we have these posters at a tech conference and like you, I, do they have these at other conferences like other industries and um should or should they have them at other industries is also a question that i think is is fair to ask and uh and so i, I don't really know that 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 answer but uh um you know i think it's you know positive to ask people to to remember empathy you know, and yeah. remember, but, uh, uh, but yeah, so that's, that's one thing, but, uh, you know, at, at DevConf, we do, you know, we've, we've, uh, I'm not sure you were there for, for this one, but the, about the Queen Mary, we just really want to make sure we, uh, we said for sure. Um, I think Ari said this and I wish she was here to say it, but, uh, but, uh, she had a really great way of saying like, Hey, you know, we kicked it off by, like, by, she kicked it off by like saying, Hey, you, you remember Pulp Fiction, right? And everyone's like, yeah, I remember Pulp Fiction. And I was like, you know, you know how to be cool. Yeah, we'd be cool. Then we're, they were cool. And then uh, everyone, like, and to make sure everyone said it. And, and I think everyone got it that, uh, okay, we're just, we're trying to be, be awesome to, yes. to, to each other and some of that too. Um, but, uh, but yeah, but the, I think the science was, was very interesting. I think it tells a lot. And I hope, I hope, uh, I think it's, I hope other conferences pick it up and, and, uh, yeah. get the message along because, uh, I think it's important because uh, like we've, we've gotten our more than our fair share. I would say whatever I don't know what the fair share is, but uh, I hate using that, that phrase in that. But we've gotten a number of emails from people and vendors who say that they will not be taking part unless we have a code of conduct uh, for a conference. Yeah. And so that was actually um, uh, that's kind of like the state of the times, I think. And uh, so, yeah. Yeah, they also, I mean, they had signs that explicitly had the code of conduct, which was nice because a lot of times it's just a link on the website. And, okay, there's this code of conduct and I have no idea what it is, which, I mean, to be honest, it's what we do with most of our laws most of the time. Yeah. I, I know what the speed limit sign means, but I don't know what the details of the court case are. Yeah. <laughs> um, this was this was just a nice combination of warm, welcoming reminders. And if you want the fine print, it's here. Yeah. So, so that was good. Um the other thing they had that just was funky and is community, but is very different from this, was they had a conference sweatshirt, mm-hmm. and they had uh, patches. Everybody, like the sponsors, were giving away iron-on patches, and they had a room where you could go have your patches, you know, heated on to your your sweatshirt. Oh, nice. So, um, yeah, there were just lots of lots of different things happening. Oh wow! Okay, so that's pretty awesome. Number eight. Uh, so what is the state of Angular after going to the Angular conference? Well, I was curious. Like, I wasn't sure I was coming into, like, a unified, friendly community because, like, the whole – so Google hit it big with Angular 1. Like, when we were doing Fluent, like, all the Angular talks were overwhelmed when Angular 1 was coming out. And then they announced they were going to, like, change everything for Angular 2. Mm-hmm. 
And people wandered off to do React, they're doing Vue, they're doing Aurelia, whatever you know else seems interesting that doesn't seem quite as um, changing. Right. Um, or changing in a big chunk. Like React keeps changing, but it's always like small bites, whereas Angular 1 to Angular 2... I was talking to people about, you know, would you like to do something on migrating from Angular 1 to Angular 2? And they're like, well, I would, but that's why I just started a consulting company. <laughs> uh, because it's not it's not something you can teach in two hours. It's a, uh, you have to decide if you're going to burn everything to the ground and start over, or if you're going to kind of modularize things and start using, you can mix both in the same application, but you have to do them kind of in separate pieces. Um so I was just curious, like, how much momentum was still in the system. Mm -hmm. And, you know, talking to people, they're like, yeah, it's all still there. We're still moving forward. Things are good. It's a totally, you know, corrupted sample because they all came to this conference. You don't come to this conference if you're walking away. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, even when I asked them, so what about your friends? What do your friends think of Angular? What does your company think of Angular? Yeah. Um, you know, there was some pain over all the shifts, but it seems to be going well. Um, the the really awkward part is that I used to just call these things Angular, yeah. and now version 1 is supposed to be called AngularJS, okay. and version 2, or version 2 in going forward, is just Angular. But on the versioning, they jumped from 2 to 4. Yeah. And now they're going to go ahead like every six months with a new version, a full version number. Okay. And I'm just like, how... How do I keep up with that in titling anything? Um, React has done crazy things. It went from like 0 0.14 to 15.0. Mm -hmm. um, that looks like a giant numeric jump, but they were really just moving from 14 to 15, so nobody cared. Okay. Um, this is just like, if you're going to put all your eggs in this giant framework basket, yeah. and then the basket moves, yeah. it's kind of weird. Right, yeah. That's, I mean, that's... Like you say, like people went to go try other other things, like you know, Vue or React, and, and things a little bit more stable. And so I feel like it's, you know, and people who try to teach, you know, Angular, or they, you know, they're in, you know, they're like in, in a mess trying to keep up with everything. Much less the people who actually work on the on the system too. So, uh, uh, so it's good to see that they're united, united, you know. But you know, as you said, yeah, you went yeah. to the conference for Angular. So, um, well, the other the other fun conversation that just happened like every day at breakfast was people who said, you know, I was doing Angular 1, Angular 2 came out. I thought I should wander off and move this React thing. Or actually, they would, they would crash into Angular 2 first and be like, okay, I'm going to wander off and move this React thing. They'd learn React. Then they'd look at Angular 2 and it seemed a lot easier. Mm -hmm. So it's like the upgrade path to Angular 1 knowledge mm -hmm. frequently seems to go by way of React and then coming back. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess it's the if you love them, let them go yeah. kind of story of technical education. Uh, are you better your first love, I guess, or something like that? Yeah. You always come back. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's very weird. All right. All right. Cool. Awesome. Okay. Our, our next story. Number seven. Is uh, the California Department of Vehicles grants Apple uh, to uh, test self-driving cars and for trials. And so... I found that that was really amazing that that uh, Apple's sort of back in the game for for uh, self-driving cars because you know it felt like uh, uh, there's all this rumor mills as you get with Apple that they were like spending like a year or two ago they're 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 ramping up trying to compete with um, 
with Google and trying to try to get their technology going. And then uh, Uber spun up. Uh, like, you know, they, they've been this, they had their own Cutworks working on self-driving cars. And I think they just, uh, my pressure was that they sort of just gave up and gave like close to, I think it was a billion dollars to a, a company in China to say like that, that was investing, you know, a lot of money in, and, and their startup, I guess, in the self-driving cars, and which is, that's a huge problem to solve, right? You know, having self-driving yeah. cars in China uh, with all those people out there. So, and, um, and so for this to happen, which is totally amazing, I thought. Uh, it means that they're they're I think they're back in the hunt, or it could be they they never left. You know, for all we know, because Apple right. keeps it pretty private. But but I think couple that with like you know the this permission from California DMV plus Uber's uh, I think getting sued by Google. Yes, uh, they're claiming the skunk works is pretty smelly. I guess. Yeah, it's pretty much like a uh, people walked over with their IP for from uh, from Google when they were hired by Uber, and then of course Uber has this PR implosion going on yeah that doesn't seem to uh they they walk from one pr implosion to another implosion and so i think uber's pr people are probably sending thank you notes to united's pr people right now <laughs> for taking the heat off for a while just letting us you know work over here to clean things up right yeah um, yeah well i think pepsi tapped the brakes and then yes united, yes. united just pretty much like let them let, let yeah. full stop for that one yeah, I've enjoyed some of the, the memes and animations combining all of these different pieces into different mm -hmm. disasters. Um, and, and, you know, maybe if we're lucky, self-driving cars will let us fly a lot less. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm not counting on it. But, um, yeah, so the, the, thing, the thing with Apple, I mean, I feel like they're in kind of a strange place. They have infinite amounts of money, effectively. I mean, you talk about them giving a billion dollars to China, and it totally is a large sum of money. If somebody put a billion dollars here, I would notice it, and it would be big. Mm -hmm. But for Apple, it's actually like not that big a bet. Yeah. Just their cash hoard is so perversely large. Um, it's also, you know, given the way they work, like, are they subcontracting parts of the workout in that billion dollars, and there are things that they're holding back? Um, are there going to be a lot of, you know, brushed aluminum, uh, self-driving cars that are, uh, you know, the insides are all coming from that investment, but the outside is all, all, all Apple. Right. Um, I guess actually the car out of brushed aluminum would be terrible, but maybe <laughs> the dashboard. I don't know. Right. Um, like a steampunk of, yeah. of Apple. Yeah. Apple, Apple does steampunk could be very exciting. Yeah. I don't think we'll get there, but I just, I feel like Apple's in kind of this weird place. I mean, I'm, I'm not talking to you on an Apple computer these days. Um, but my work, even though in the long run I'm working for Microsoft, I'm working on a Mac, um, it's, you know, there's a bit of huge, I mean, I feel like the, the pro audience for Apple kind of wandered off when the Mac Pro came out and wasn't the video editing workstation they were hoping for. Mm -hmm. And the laptop folks are getting grouchy about the, you took away my escape key, man. How could you do that? <laughs> yeah. The touch bar. Yeah. Um, and like the conversations about their new headquarters, like when they first announced it, like I had all of these friends who were posting things like, this is the way the world is supposed to be. And and those Cupertino city council, they didn't want to get in the way of this. They're just going to be run down by progress. Mm -hmm. and, and this week I'm seeing things like, yeah, 14,000 square feet of office space or 14 million whatever it is, the ratio is 14 to 11, uh, 11 of parking. Mm -hmm. So it's like, yes, it's this crazy spaceship surrounded by a parking lot, like everything else in Silicon Valley. Right. Um, so the tone on the conversations around Apple has really changed. 
uh, on the techie side. Um, I don't, I don't know that that's going to hurt their stock prices. I don't really know that it's going to hurt their sales very much. Yeah. Um, but it is weirdly different. And the people I know who are totally into the self-driving car thing tend to come from that that same techie culture. Okay. Um, I, I know like normal people who look forward to being able to read a book while their car is driving them from place to place. Yeah. Uh, but I don't – the people I see who are really getting into it and going – well, how well is this working now? Comparing companies, all of that, um, tend to be the classic, you know, the people who followed Mac Rumors all the time. Yeah. Uh, the people who wanted to know what's coming next. So, um, so maybe, maybe Apple's having a, a, a rebirth of those dreams after kind of a rocky year. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like, um, I think we might, we might talk about this in another episode, but I felt like, uh, Apple just doesn't live with their products. You know, they don't really, or there's someone who doesn't, you know, the, you know, you could say like Steve Jobs for, for better for worse, like, you know, he was a, a taskmaster, but he had a sense of style and that taste was uh, kind of went downhill to every, every product. And, you know, when they, the products they, they come up with, like um, the new MacBook Pro, the, the, the black cylinder uh, thing, right. you know, it, when they announced that, you know, without Steve Jobs, you know, there was, uh, I forgot his name, but he's very popular. He's a really well-known executive for Apple, but it's like, yeah, we can, we can innovate yet people who buy it and live with it. I uh, realize that you, you can't, uh, upgrade the parts to it. Uh, right. it's really the core connections are in the back. It's hard to get to, uh, it's, so it's not, it looks great as a paperweight, but in terms of a device that you want to use time and out. And so they actually have to, uh, they're making a new one, but you have to wait another year before they, they come back with a new design. And it's like, well, and when they announced it, like, yeah, we can innovate, we can innovate. Like, well, you can, you can make, you make something look cool, but you know, that's like one part of the equation that, you know, that, you know, with the, the whole thing with the iPod that I came up with is like, yeah, we, you can make a cool looking P3 player, but it still doesn't work. Or you can make a really great, uh, hardware mp3 player that does all these songs but it's really hard to use it was the apple find that right balance between hardware and software that seems to be askew like right now and i just don't yeah although to be to be fair like i, I i'm still using an 11 year old ipod um and the interface on that thing is really genuinely terrible like, <laughs> how did we we thought this was awesome but once you put like more than a few hundred songs on it it's like uh. Where is this thing gone? And why am I scrolling on this wheel for like 20 minutes to find things? Yeah. Um, well, the iTunes store only sells like five songs. So it's. Well, there's that. There's joking. There's joking about that. And yeah. iTunes itself, I mean, so there, there have been corners of the Apple empire that have been notorious mm-hmm. since since Steve Jobs was around. Yeah. Um, Xcode is, I think, ugh, wow. Um, people tell me it's gotten better. I can't bring myself to look. It's that kind of a problem. Right. Um, and iTunes itself has just been crazy forever. Um, is this encouraging for the self-driving car? Mm-hmm. Maybe. Um, I'm still, you know, much happier. When I have to do tech support for people, I'm much happier if they're on Macs. I will totally yeah. admit that. Um, and with self-driving cars, that's, you know, that sounds like a feature. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Uh... Yeah, I just I just hope that uh, well I think with, when you from what I gather you when working with China 
you actually have to go by proxy. And since they have stores in China, they probably know this more than anyone right now. But uh, so they can't actually do that. So it's actually, I felt like they didn't just give up on self-driving cars, but I felt like maybe they're like hedging their bets. Like, okay, let's let's have uh, China try to solve the problem of yeah. self-driving car while Uber takes over, and then and we kind of bring it to the forefront. So, but uh, but yeah, yeah, I know. So this, I don't want to like boil down to like problems with Apple discussion, no, but the, but the other big question here is, you know, how many patents are we going to end up with at all of this research from how many different companies? Mm-hmm. You know, it, I won't be surprised if we get to this point where it's all possible, but you need this from BMW and this from Google and this from Uber and this from Apple, right? And they don't want to work together. Right. So we'll have to see where it all ends up that way. Right. But uh, but yeah, it will be interesting to see who has the uh, Model T of uh, self-driving cars. Right. So who's who, yeah who's who's you know who's what's going to look like and and uh, will people people I know if you're in LA you probably just you just want it because the, because half your life is in traffic anyway. So but uh, yeah. Cool. Uh, let's go next. Uh, uh, for fear of uh, coming down to Apple, like is is uh, need help. Uh, story <laughs> thread. Let's go to the next one. Number six. Post JavaScript apocalypse. So, uh, yes. Tell us about the that. landscape has gotten dark. No, it hasn't gotten that dark. Um, so, this comes from Douglas Crockford, who's the guy who originally did JavaScript, the good parts, uh, basically said there's a beautiful language hiding inside of JavaScript. Um, and it works. You know, like a lot of the a lot of the frameworks we see today, a lot of what is considered good JavaScript programming, uh, basically took the pieces of JavaScript that that Doug said were the right parts and and built on it. Um, there are still all of these pieces left in JavaScript that aren't the right parts, and there are a lot of new things in JavaScript that Doug doesn't like either. Uh, but you know, the the language evolves and things move. But we're coming to this kind of funky time when it's time to say what comes next. Um, you know, with cars, we're sort of hoping that we go from having cars to having self-driving cars. Um, with programming languages, well, I don't really want a self-driving programming language. Um, that would be weird. Um, there is some discussion of that, where you're kind of specifying objectives, and then your artificial intelligence does whatever magic it needs to, and we don't know what happened inside the box. But that's not this year for this. Um, so... So the talk that he's been giving lately kind of echoes the good parts. He's looking at JavaScript and saying, what here is worth keeping as we move forward? Because it's pretty clear the world is going to move actually beyond JavaScript in the next few years, even in the web browser, kind of the classic home. Uh, Brendan Eich has been pushing this WebAssembly work, which he likes to show off by playing video games uh, that were written in C++ in, in the browser. Uh, you can compile other languages to JavaScript, and it's it's kind of limited right now. It works best with languages like C and C++ that actually have a fairly limited number of kind of core pieces, but it's fired up the conversation. Um, every time I talk about JavaScript with people who really consider themselves programmer programmers these days, yeah. they're talking about TypeScript. Either they're using it or they're looking at it. Um, it's a relatively mild, like, let's add some parts to JavaScript kind of story, which is different from Doug's. Um, but that that whole, uh, you know, the last 10 years, my career has really centered on JavaScript, the language, and all the things that buzz around it. Mm-hmm. 
I started out as a HTML, XML, CSS kind of guy. Right. And uh, that's still the stuff I really like to do. Uh, but the stuff that I was better able to sell was pretty much always JavaScript. And mm-hmm. now I'm like, okay, <laughs> what's next? Right. So, you know, I don't, even though Doug was kind of the prophet for the last time around, I'm not sure that, you know, what he's saying will go is going to be what actually goes. Mm. Um, I'm looking at his list of things to do and things to avoid. And uh, I'm thinking I'm probably going to start, I'm not doing a whole lot of JavaScript, but what JavaScript I am doing, I'm going to start separating out into the uh, things that I can, you know, call a function with an argument and get the same result back every time. Uh, Kind of the, the clean processing stuff. And then all the messy side of life where there's a DOM tree that who knows what happened to it, or there's a network call. Who knows if they'll even return my, my, my answer? I don't know. Um, so he's, he suggests some kind of concrete things you can do today. He looks through a lot of like old language decisions that might have been better than the ones we have now. Um, the main thing I take from it is it's going to be different. I don't know what it's going to be yet, but I know it's going to be different. And... Like, not just in my programming lifetime, but probably in the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. So, do you have any, like, you said TypeScript. Do you have any qualms about uh, TypeScript being uh, developed and, like, I guess, housed or coming from, like, uh, a big company like Microsoft? And I know you work for Microsoft, so I... Yeah, that, no, that, it's awkward. That, that's why I asked you the question. So right. You, no, I'm in, a, <laughs> I'm in a distant corner of the empire, uh, but it's fine. Um so I have qualms about TypeScript, but that's because I just don't like strong typing. Mm-hmm. I just like hang out in languages where typing is not something people get obsessed about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but since there are all these programmers around who brought their love of typing, somebody needs to make them happy. Yeah. Um, the thing that's weird about TypeScript is not that it comes from Microsoft, or like, our, but it's or like say it's, but it, or Angular it gets weirder, or like yeah, or Angular, Angular from Google. Google. Yeah, so yeah, that's right. Right. yeah, right. So. And, and React is from Facebook, and you know the list goes on. Right. The thing that's uniquely weird about TypeScript is that it came from Microsoft and was endorsed by Google when they decided to build Angular two on it. Okay. And you know, I was talking to somebody about you know, is it hard to get the go ahead to do these things, and what kind of technical problems do you have? Mm-hmm. I mean, not non technical problems, problems communicating technical issues to management who don't have a strong opinion about JavaScript versus CoffeeScript versus. Right some wacky WebAssembly thing. They're just like, give it to me cheap. Uh, but if you can say, you know, it comes from Microsoft and Google is openly using it, like managers just like mellow out and are like, go ahead. It must be the one true way. Um, so, so yeah, my qualms kind of come from people who are like, if it's IBM, you can't go wrong. If it's Microsoft, you can't go wrong. It's Microsoft and Google. It's getting better. Um, I just... The endorsements don't always, yeah. That the brand name isn't always the thing on the tin that matters. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. I just, I just have, uh, you know, I, I know it doesn't matter that much, but I just because I felt like uh, we've, I think the people who are now in charge of that stuff, or people who've grown up with the web for some part, some bit, you know, some bit. So we have that that culture imbued, I guess, imbibed or whatever, uh, with with these big companies now, and so and they've, you know, you know. But uh, I'm just worried about an IE six seven situation where we just you know yeah. or like uh, innovation stops, you know for for a while. I mean, you know, right. well, we just had we just talked about Angular being jumping around uh, point releases, 
or dropping point releases, but uh, going for for major milestones. So, uh, but uh, just you know, or we could have a situation where we have conflicts with nations, we have conflicts with uh, uh, yes. companies with like over technology, you know, or you know, Samsung versus Apple with patents, but you know, right. uh, that, so so that's my concern is that uh, not to say that open source with the individual developers great. It's always good to have like a financial backing for people to work on, work on this stuff. So, uh, yeah. so it's always good to have the, a sponsor. But. The other thing that helps here and doesn't help so much on the, uh, self-driving cars is that a lot of the stuff is open source. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was kind of freaked out like a year and a half ago at JSConf last call because Microsoft was there and total force and they were there to open source their JavaScript engine. Mm-hmm. And I was like, on the list of things I never thought would happen <laughs> in a million years. Um, I think that eases and buffers things. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, when I was, when I was a young web person, uh, I kind of imagined this world in which like browsers would be these open things that kind of everybody could contribute and see the insides of. Um, and there wouldn't be a dozen of them. Um, you know, at this point, there are like three or four main threads that are partially open, mostly open. It really varies. Um, nobody wants to rewrite an entire browser from scratch these days. But even though it's open, it's not quite open the way I thought it might be. And um, I can get enthusiastic about these things. But as soon as you push me hard on, you know, what does it mean that company X owns this thing? I get like, yeah, I don't know. That wasn't <laughs> so good for them before, was it? So. Number five. Going to outer space, man. Going to outer space. Yeah. Uh, astronauts are about to install a parking space for SpaceX and Boeing. And so um, I think that's crazy awesome. Uh, just, uh, you know, and it's, it's amazing for people who, don't, who don't, probably don't realize this, but uh, NASA culture, like, was back when we were flying, um, uh, America was sending out space shuttles. On, their, on a routine basis, like three or four times a year, uh, NASA was pretty much adamant against uh, uh, private space tourism. Uh, you know, when uh, they were upset that when people would uh, uh, pay Russia to go on uh, the Soyuz, uh, was, it, was it Soyuz? Is that what they call it? Um, Soyuz? Soyuz. Yeah, yeah Soyuz rockets and uh, uh, to go up to the International Space Station. I think he had to pay like $40 million dollars a lot of money yeah it's a lot of money and it still is a lot of money and uh to go up there yeah. uh so yeah it was really kind of like they were upset with it but you know it's russia's space partner so they have a right to go to go up there and, and people paid it so uh and now it seems like it's crazy that uh, nasa is like you know maybe it could be like a money issue too but we're like they get i'm pretty sure like uh, uh bezos uh, company was a blue origin probably paid a good uh good fee along with boeing boeing for the uh for the to put that uh uh, dock onto the space station. So, but I think it's only great because uh, you know the more people who fly uh, in space who aren't uh, government-approved uh, astronauts, if you will, are good. It's going to be a, a path to uh, to space exploration and, and space. We're 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 going to soon become a space-faring civilization uh, before you know it. So, I mean, we are in a sense right now, but. You could still put all the people who've gone to space into a, a small arena, and it won't be like, or and right. So, well, I mean, Stephen Hawking is talking about going to space now too. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that, that, that seems appropriate. He certainly thought more about space than most people. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like we're coming to the point where it's possible to send more people into sort of earth orbit. Yeah. Um, I still, you know, I have friends who want to go mine all the asteroids Yeah. and I'm like, that, that's great. Good luck getting everything out and back in. And, um, I, um, yeah, where are you going to get your miners? Oh, the robots. I see. And they're going to, yes. Um, I suspect that when the robot revolt finally comes, mm-hmm. uh, they're going to be out on an asteroid and they're going to be like, you know, there's nobody here who can mess with us. Let's set up home here. Right. No, I don't know. Well, I've seen, Different kind of I, I've seen Blade Runner. I know. Yes. <laughs> coming soon yeah so yeah definitely yeah definitely is coming soon so but uh but i think uh in order to you know uh, uh nasa now has a new mission i was like they had the same mission before but i don't know but uh to go to mars but now i guess they have the more another you know executive order to go to mars uh on top of that so uh, so yeah so we'll just see if this could be happening but i think it's gonna be great i think we're uh, the more people uh who pay the uh, initial outrageous cost of going to space is only going to actually help uh, everyone. So, and uh, I'm just hoping that the space tourism subsidizes weather satellites. That mm-hmm. would make me happy because I'm really a weather nerd. Yeah. Uh, like, you know. in what way is that? Uh, are, are there are weather satellites too old now? Or yeah, we've had issues with uh, with satellites. Well, partly it's that we could do much better things with the sensors we have now. So they just put up some new ones that are that are fantastic, but. Mm. Uh, there were a few years there when it was like, you know, if this one goes out, we aren't going to have coverage of the Pacific for a couple of years. It's <laughs> kind of a problem. Um, right. you know, I, the, the parts of, of aviation and uh, space travel that get me really excited mm-hmm. are the ones that let me know like what the weather's going to be tomorrow. Right, so, right. And that's, we can do that. Yeah, I think uh, what's, you know, what I really like about it is the secondary uh, advances that we'll get because of it. You know, uh, you know the whole story about you know the ballpoint ballpoint pen and uh, and tang. So I, I can pass on the tang. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's not the go-to one, Chris. We shouldn't really be using that as an example, but uh, that's one I one I like. Number four. Uh, speaking, of, our next story also about space is that uh, uh, about uh, looking for life in space. Actually, not in, in still in our in our system. I uh, was it. In Enceladus, is that right? Enceladus, Enceladus, Enceladus. Yeah, it's Enceladus. Yeah, it's Enceladus. They didn't teach us this in school. They taught us how to pronounce the planets, and they told us that Pluto was a planet, but we didn't really go down the moons that right. that way. Yeah. So yeah, the moon of Saturn uh, has is having heat uh, fissures. Basically, there's a, it's a layer of ice, and then there's like heat within the core and sending up uh, heat fissures. And, and then all these features. And so what they trying to do is send a satellite to test to see if there's life or the stuff of life that can make life is, is going to be on the, on a, one of the bigger moons of Saturn, which is pretty awesome. And so, uh, so we have a satellite, I think near, uh, Saturn right now, but it's not really set to detect, uh, what, what we need. And it's not really good for crashing into, uh, into water, <laughs> into water right now and then testing it out. Right. So, so I think we're going to send out another satellite, but, uh, they do have, but it does have some, uh, devices for, for for testing, which is great. But in in eerie uh, news, speaking of, we talk about Stephen Hawking, but also uh, Isaac Asimov, who wrote uh, 2001 and also 2010. Uh, uh, Arthur C. Clarke. Uh, yeah. I, well, uh, sorry, I, Arthur C. Clarke. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Arthur C. Clarke. Sorry. 
I'm gonna get uh, whipped by the, all the uh, nerds and the, the fan mail. It'll be fine. Yeah. So yeah, but he also kind of wrote uh, 2001 while they were actually making the film 2001. So, but uh, so that was kind of weird. But uh, so 2010, you know, about Europa turning into a sun. Spoiler alert. Uh, so about uh, it could be like life. Uh, no, a stupid turn to a son. Sorry, super spoiler. It's been a while. <laughs> uh, it's been a while. I actually, I actually saw it like uh, two weeks ago. Actually, I never actually saw the movie. I read the book. Oh, uh, really? I didn't see the movie? Oh, uh, uh, yeah. 2010 is a, is a good sci-fi movie whose only uh, flaw, whose major flaw, is that it came after 2001. Uh, yeah. So it. And 2001 is an amazing movie, but it doesn't feel like a sci-fi movie in some ways. It's hard to explain. Well, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, because like they uh, they want to make a sci-fi movie that wasn't a sci-fi movie and so yes. and and in doing so it's i've seen it uh we have the almo draft house here which is we totally love and they yes and uh, i've seen it twice in the last two months because it, uh, it's the 30th no it's not it's, i don't know how many it's the 30th anniversary or 40th anniversary i'm not sure 40th 40th anniversary and uh so they've been playing on like a yeah. I, i seen a 70 millimeter uh, cut and a 35 millimeter Oh, okay. the movie and so uh, and it's a long movie but i still enjoy uh, i could sit down and watch it from start to finish and it's just a really great movie and um and 2010 is a great movie too but it's more sci-fi ish it's more your, your typical directing job you know in terms of, of a movie and but it's still a good movie and um in terms of that so i, I recommend i'm trying to get alamo draft house to do a uh a double header double feature, a double feature yeah. on that but uh uh, my my cries have uh, not been answered yet. So well, at least you have you have the Alamo Draft House. It's okay. It's you know right. you're already way ahead of most of us. Well, yeah, there's one in Brooklyn now, so there's there you go. So, okay, that's good. Yeah, it's a good sign. But yeah, but yeah. So this like getting out to other planets. The other thing that keeps happening is you know we're we're seeing our telescopes are getting better and we're spending more time looking for planets and it seems like we're not nearly as unusual as we thought we might be. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, you know I. I don't think we're going to go visit our star cousins anytime soon, no, but no. but there might be some. Yeah, I felt like, uh, well, we had that, uh, I'm not sure if it was actually true or not, but we had like the, uh, there's life on Mars, and it turned out to be like there was life on Mars, because uh, there's like microscopic fossils of life on Mars, I believe that's why they, they announced. Uh, there was, it, yeah, it, I'm not sure it was fossils exactly, or like remnants, or, yeah, it was, but yeah. Yeah, it was like I think it was fossils of microscopic life on Mars, and everyone was like, and it was a big letdown because it wasn't green aliens. That was no yeah. Marvin the Martian. Where are you? Yeah, so it wasn't that big. So it was like big Mars. So right now we're like, so that's on Mars. Uh, we're looking to Saturn. This moon, which is you think of Saturn rings, is if you want placement yeah. for it, it's actually outside the rings. Uh, so it's off the distance, and so uh, so it's out there. So it's pretty much easy to get to, in theory, like as well as you know. As it can be, yeah. as, as it can be, but uh, so we check that out, and then life also in Jupiter, which is you know out there as well. So uh, in moon of Jupiter, so uh, so we don't actually have to go out and go to another galaxy. We actually test for for the existence of life out there. So, uh, but it's going to be still microscopic in, in origin if it's out there too. So, so in essence, uh, what we could have is you know we we will become guardians of potential life giving planets and moons and uh, what does that mean for 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 yeah. humanity's role in space yeah. so but yeah well you know there could be there could be an army of marvin the martians just living underground under the surface and not using radio frequencies okay no not really okay well 
We can dream. Well, it could be a Doctor Who episode. We could go with that one. So, yes. <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah, but uh, I'm, I'm excited for this. I'm it's great. This is awesome. This is something that I feel like, uh, as a person who is aging, uh, I'm glad that maybe we'll find answers before before we pass. Uh, I think we're all aging, just where some of us are further along. But yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Uh, next story. Number three. Burger King takes over your robot butler. And so uh, uh, Burger King, I think within the last week, they uh, they had a 15-second commercial where they basically just said, like, uh, they gave command to your Google Home device. Yes. And uh, what happens is that um, well, we could probably play the commercial, but uh, what happens is at the end of the commercial, the, you know, basically they, they, it's a guy with a whopper in his hand talking to you, and he just says like, "Well, we only have 15 seconds to talk about our delicious hamburgers. What are we gonna do?" Oh, I have an idea, and says like, "Hey, Google, uh, tell me about the whopper burger, whatever burger." And so, so it's a trigger Google to go to Wikipedia, pull up the paragraph. About uh, the burger, uh, about the which they edited, they changed the first sentence on it to make sure it would line up. You're watching a 15-second Burger King ad, which is unfortunately not enough time to explain all the fresh ingredients in the Whopper sandwich. But I got an idea. Okay, Google, what is the Whopper burger? And so they did that, and so people were like, kind of outraged, like, "Oh my gosh, we're just taking it over," which is like totally happens when they happen like it, it's a right uh, uh we have uh, amazon echo in, in our in our house and we uh, uh they've si- amazon slightly i guess not slightly but like uh silently allowed the uh, option of saying either amazon or alexa or uh or echo i think they've no or these well it was going to be amazon but they changed it to alexa to, to change it to echo but they said also changed it to uh to allow for a computer as an option, like like you do in Star Trek Next Generation, and right. so uh, so uh, almost I got I almost got like uh, without me saying anything, it just like uh, it we selected the computer as as our main uh, uh, Alexa unit, and so and of course they say computer all the time on TV, especially with yes. bad TV shows when they have to go to the computer to solve qu- technical questions. You know, it's just like quick off to the computer. Yeah, it's, it's like like CSI or something like. What does the computer tell me? Computer enlarge. You're like, oh man, please. Uh, so that sends off uh, the Echo and the Amazon Echo device, and so so it always happens like they you know it happens like that. But uh, how but, many strange boxes have showed up at your house? None. But I did go to a party one time, and uh, we walked in, and uh, and someone's like, oh wow, you have one of these things, like like Echo. Order like uh, X rated item, <laughs> and uh, oh, and, uh, and so we pretty pretty much had to like. Yeah, so there you go. I don't know if you can hear it or not, but yes, I can hear it. Yeah, Echo, stop. <laughs> so yeah, so that, that so it was, that was pretty fun. That's a fun game you could play with your with your host of your party, uh, if you want to like be really annoying <laughs> with that. So. But yeah, so I think that's just something's got to happen in the future. And uh, uh, so basically, Google, what happened uh, with they kind of like they worked on a um, patch for this problem, and then within uh, I think thirty six hours, uh, Burger King changed the audio of the message and then rehacked it again. So it was a play yeah. cat and mouse with your uh, with your your home butler. So well, it's kind of a sledgehammery thing to do this way, but uh, you know, I think we're going to see a lot more like that mm-hmm. um it, i mean it, 
It's a brilliant hack in some ways. It's just Burger King. What? Really? Someone on Slashdot was saying you should choose a different purveyor of, of roasted beef or something. But <laughs> um, it just it's it's gotten easier. And the other thing is that, well, uh, one of my coworkers shared a, a link. You can go on your Google account and see everything that Google has you requesting through its audio stuff. And so I, of course, went to see if, you know, the microphone had been out on my phone and stuff. And mm-hmm. I had nothing because yeah. I just don't use that stuff. So I don't have to worry about it this way. Um, but, um, well, I don't know. If you, if you order the X-rated items, Amazon definitely has a record of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess they have a record of it being in someone else's voice, which might be helpful for the return. Hmm. Uh, it's one of the, one of the things that I like about keyboards and touchscreens is that well, okay, unless the cat gets on the iPad, that's sometimes a problem. Um, they're a little less prone to uh, such such excitement. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's. I mean, well, I felt again with the you know self driving car, and uh, I think this is kind of the future i i do feel like sometimes that uh i've do tie things to the voice so far and one of the things i like about the echo because the echo didn't really do anything for me until i actually hooked it up to a, a light bulb and it felt like an internet of things device uh mm-hmm. where i could actually turn on something with my voice and so they're like oh that's great but then you're like oh man sometimes i just don't want to talk i just want to flip a switch <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it's fun. yeah i'm more into the physical switching the world yeah so. Not enough, but uh, but it's changing. Yep. Yep. Okay. Let's move on to our next story. Number two. Why Americans have stopped moving. And so uh, it's an article. Um, it's a, it's from New York Post, but it's actually uh, referenced a book uh, about why Americans you know have stopped moving. And so basically, the gist of it is that uh, is that uh, Americans are pretty much trapped in debt much from moving and uh yes so and that uh their their debt from college loans i think have uh surpassed their credit card debt if i, if I read that correctly and so yes. so it's a book called the complete the complicit class the self def- the self-defeating quest for the american dream uh by economist tyler cohen and so it's uh it doesn't paint a too rosy picture uh for the near future for the American dream. And so, uh, in fact, right. in fact, this is like, uh, well, the American dream is pretty much in free fall. And, um, and so people just can't move or they're, they're kind of trapped into, to where they, they are. And this is like, if you're in a state, like if you're in New York city or you're in Silicon Valley or, and it said Texas, <laughs> like you're, you're doing okay. Right. right. I was just like, all of Texas. Okay. That's great. Uh, but, uh, everywhere else you're pretty much, you know, you're more likely to be stuck, stuck there. So, well, I mean, I think partly you have to remember the author is an economist who wants everything to be as mobile as possible because that's the economist's dream. Mm-hmm. Um, so for them, like the idea that like people would stay home to be with their family is like, that's a bizarre economic decision. <laughs> How could you do that? Right. Um, even though you can, of course, justify it economically and all of these other things. Um, the other thing, though, is I keep I keep wondering. I mean, we've been talking about self-driving cars and going out to space and things like that. And. I think about most of human history, and people really just haven't been that mobile. Um, there are episodes. I mean, obviously, the Mongols coming across the steps to invade everybody. Uh, those folks were really mobile. They knew what they were doing. Um, 
the the massive immigration from from Europe and elsewhere to to North America, South America. Um, these are some really big episodes, but there aren't really that many big episodes. Um, and in the U.S., I mean, I think it's it's not just the debt; it's that. How can I say this without sounding terrible? Uh, the world has become complicated enough that it really, really helps to have people you know and family around to help you get through it all. Yeah. Uh, you can kind of divide up the responsibilities. And I think, you know, like we've had all of these conversations over the years about how to raise children and the rising cost of childcare. And part of the reason that didn't used to be a gigantic problem wasn't just massive gender inequity, though that was totally part of it. Uh, but you also had extended families, which, you know, if you want to take advantage of being in an extended family, you have to be with them. Um, and I think to some extent we're, we're seeing people, you know, when we complain about millennials living in the basement, you could phrase that much more elegantly as, you know, they are, the extended family is returning and we're discovering family values. And um, it's just as difficult as it ever was because generations don't always see things the same way. Um, but, you know, it, in a lot of ways, this is like the return of the old pattern. Right. Um, so I don't. I'm not as shocked as 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 the author is. Um, I think we're doing a lot of things that just make it harder for people to move. Mm -hmm. uh, like what? Obviously, well. So economic stress frequently drives people to move, mm -hmm. but it also makes it really hard for them to actually do it. And so the trade-off, you know, if you can stay in your home, your hometown in the house you grew up in and everything's kind of fading away, but it's not costing you a lot to, to make a giant transition that can make a lot more sense than I'm going to go get this, you know, $200,000 college degree and move to places where I don't know anybody. And, yeah. uh, the very different risk factors. Um, so, so yeah, I, you know, I'm somebody who has moved. I wound up 40 miles from where I grew up and I'm happy to be here. Mm. Um, upstate New York forever and all that. Um, I'm also happy to see you down in Austin and I need to get back to the Alamo draft house now. <laughs> um, my brother's in Brooklyn. He moved a little further than I did, but he's still in driving range and he has an Alamo draft house in, in easy walking distance. It sounds like yeah. so. Uh, I just, yeah, I'm not, it's, it's one of those cases where I'm like, yes, things are changing but I'm not sure if it's a problem or if it's a good thing or if it's just something different. Right. So, yeah, I just, we'll, see. well, also I felt like maybe with the internet being, you know, what it is, is that we don't need to move yes. that far because we can actually just get online and find the information that we needed. But it, like growing up, you know, in the eighties, if you wanted to be closer to a knowledge base, you would actually have to physically move to New York city or, Move to right. DC and um, actually find out what's going on because you still, or because you still had like you know you still had your your evening news at six o'clock or six thirty um, to find out what, what happened or your newspaper uh, to find out what's going on like New York, you know like New York Times or whatnot to find out like what what's the driving uh, thread that's going on but if you want to find out something else going on so it, it's kind of yeah kind of crazy like that so. Well, as a, as a kid, I was jealous of my friends who had the World Book Encyclopedia sitting around. I could just like go visit their house and find out something that was bugging me. Yeah. Uh, and then I realized there were these newsstands, and you could buy like more than just the local paper. It was weird. Yeah. So now everybody's like, "That's just normal. It's all over." Yeah. So, yeah. So I just like uh, it, 
you know, people are, are, don't have to move because they don't, uh, they don't really need to. But also, I do feel like, uh, you know, there there is some something about uh, the jobs not being there for some people. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, the other the other last piece of it. I mean, you were talking about you know we can do all these things from home. I you know I'm really puzzled that like Silicon Valley and San Francisco in particular have exploded into these psychotically expensive places. Mm-hmm. Because so many of the jobs there are about creating these technologies that are supposed to distribute jobs and knowledge all over the place. Right. And um, wait, this isn't this isn't the script. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> not that we always follow the script, but uh, I just I think there are other possibilities. And right. Yeah, I I feel like um, you know I moved to San Francisco for a little bit, you know, uh, for a while back, a long time ago, and uh, when the web was booming, and I just didn't I don't know I didn't like San Francisco. Uh, tall guy when things were built for smaller shorter people uh so houses were not uh uh not for me uh that they have out there and um and it's like during the dot-com rush i was like hey wait a minute we're building this uh empire uh not this empire but this whole like industry where you can work remotely why do i have to be in san francisco for for it to 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 be a thing and so and it's been it's been amazing there's been a rise in co-working spaces um there's been a rise in uh, remote working like i have a friend uh, who um, I just went to New Orleans for an on-site visit for a season of DevConf, and I didn't even know he was in New Orleans because he because I expect him to be in South America or you know Asia or something like because he's working right? he's working like every month of the year outside the United States, and so he just happened to be in New Orleans for a little bit. So, uh, so I was crazy good, but he's he's constantly moving. There's remote workers who have great jobs. They are based in New York City, but now they're like they can work everywhere. So it's 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 so there's people who are kind of trapped, I guess. From moving, but also there's people who were, you know, making a go of it, and so that, and it's it's kind of crazy in terms of, um, you know, the style of working is totally different than yes. our parents have. So. It's a it's a big shift, and trying to explain it to my parents is mm-hmm. tricky. But I don't know. I guess I'm at 18 years of doing this at home, so I'm sort of used to it. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, I see where it's weird. Yeah, but it's, I think the article just gave me pause about like about uh, how things have changed so much. So I, yeah. And I worry that there are a lot of people for whom like remote work is not likely to be easy or the people who are proposing it are scammers. Cause I see that in my email stuff all the time. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a hard transition, like figuring out what's a good job and how to get it. I, I don't, I don't think we know what we're doing these days as a country culture something like that. Yeah. And so, and there's a whole, uh, you know, I think we talked to Carl Smith about like how to do remote working too and how to make it work. So it's definitely a, definitely not, not an easy thing to do transition. So, all right, uh, our next story. Number one is the uh, last Jedi trailer yes. came out. quickly hit 22 million views that was on top of if if you like going to movie theaters to watch trailers i think uh last week is uh, is your is your uh your uh your oscars because uh because thor Ragnarok rock came out which is a great trailer and then last jedi tro- uh, dropped uh, i guess the uh, celebration 
at uh, the Star Wars, you know, it's actually called Celebration at uh, and Orlando happened, and so they released the last Jedi trailer, which is coming out in December, and uh, it's pretty awesome. And I felt like when I was watching it, I felt like I've seen this trailer before, and uh, and within a day or two, someone actually did a uh, like a YouTube video and showed it side by side the Force Awakens trailer and the trailer for last the last Jedi. And they're like pretty much beat for beat to the same yeah. trailer. And so that's pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Like uh, in terms of execution, I feel like I'm going to be, I'm going to be positive on this one. I can be negative on this one. Cause if it like, Oh, they're checking the cheap way out because uh, Disney who bought like Star Wars for $4 billion from George Lucas has a lot riding on it. I think they got their money back already based off of toy sales yeah. and uh, the success of force awakens. And, um, Quasi successive Rogue One, like, but uh, uh, so uh, so kind of sort of like they kind of like in terms of an art direction and artistry, I felt like oh it's a nice touch that they did that. That's my positive spin on it. Uh, my negative spin is it's like they're playing it too safe. They're continuing to play it safe with the Star Wars brand, and um, from what I know a little bit about uh, what uh, the Last Jedi happens. It's going to be a totally different feel and vibe than uh, Force Awakens, which is great. <laughs> I, well, well, right. I welcome that. Right. But uh, so, but uh, so, I'm, I'm hoping for, so my positive spin is just that it was a nice touch that they did the, the same thing, but still it was kind of eerie. Say so like, hey, this is kind of like the same thing, but uh, yeah. But well, it, I think yeah, consistency consistency has its own virtues. Mm-hmm. Um, and like if you're as you're saying, they make the movie really different. Mm-hmm. But a consistent trailer but very different movies is appealing. Mm. Um, I haven't told my kids the trailer's out for the Lego Ninjago movie. Um, <laughs> I think I'll wait on that for a while. Though there is a great uh, teaser for it with uh, Sensei Wu chasing a chicken up a roof, and it's just a disaster. So anyway, if you want something completely goofy, Lego Ninjago. But um, you know, on the Star Wars thing, I'm also trying to be cautious because I loved the Rogue One trailer. Uh, the first one, I think it was, where they're like kind of bringing her in as a, as a prisoner. Um, yeah. and you know, she's like, this is a rebellion, right? I, I rebel. Right. And I'm like watching the movie going, it's going to happen. <clears throat> oh, it didn't happen. Yeah. Um, I, the playing it safe, the stuff that they showed here, I think there's like less, it's, it's just a teaser trailer. Yeah. So there's not that much, you know, they can still change things. I don't think the plot is, is locked in by the trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I, I'm very curious to see, to see where it lands. Right. Um, I'll also confess that like, I, I liked the force awakens, but like rogue one made me really happy just because it finally had a plausible ending. Oh yeah. Everyone died. It, it made so much more sense, <laughs> but nobody will like me for saying that. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, the rogue one trailer, I felt like, uh, was, was great. And I felt like, uh, I 
you know, I'm a big fan of uh, the rumor mills and what they had to do to uh, change everything. To change everything. <laughs> um, and my and the thing is like, uh, you know, because Ghostbusters uh, three, the reboot or whatever, like there was just so many, uh, you know, from the rumor mills, whatever. And no matter what the official statement is, like they did extensive reshoots to make that work. And it, you know, it didn't make that much money, so you're not going to probably see a sequel to it. But, uh, but the, the extent I've, I appreciated the amount of effort it took to patch up Ghostbusters, and I'm even more appreciative of the amount much uh, work and, or the, I'm not sure why they did it, but like the the to patch up Rogue One because I think it's the crazy because the rumors the rumors it was like it was a good movie, but it wasn't a Star Wars movie, and they really wanted to play it safe. Right. Uh, to make sure that they didn't alienate fans, and so uh, there's a lot of things in the trailers for Rogue One that uh, aren't in the movie. Like you have people running, running on the beach, running, yeah. running on the beach, like running into a. They filmed in a subway station. There was there wasn't any running around with a with a tape deck and a scissor. Uh, right. The, the scene with the Tie Fighter on top of the uh, satellite yes. dish, which is like, yeah, iconic. Yeah, and not you. Yeah, yeah. which is iconic. Kind of, like, like I think we're all waiting for that that new iconic scene in modern Star Wars, like modern Star Wars, like, like you have like, you know, Luke, uh, hearing the bad news about his dad and cloud city to, uh, you know, to, uh, I don't know, whatever, like I'm all the more flying through my head right now. <laughs> like in terms right, right. Uh, Han Solo being frozen to Han Solo being thawed, uh, you know, so just the Ewoks, no. <laughs> not the Ewoks, but, uh, another death star. No, but, uh, but yeah, so many good things. Uh, so just to see that TIE fighter and then not have it uh, in Rogue One was kind of like, what? Like, why Why aren't we having this? So, yeah. Uh, but my, yeah. my family is totally eager to see it because they want to know more about Rey. Yeah. The kids are like, where? How is this connected? What's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, this is also something I shouldn't confess, but the, the one movie we don't have in the house is The Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. And they went to the library to go get it. Yeah. They actually want to see it. So... I don't know. Yeah, it's good. Like I, I, uh, I got the uh, complete series on Blu-ray, and I actually broke down and bought. I think for the celebration, iTunes was having a sale on a six-pack for the movies, so I bought all, bought all the all the movies on iTunes recently. And so I just, uh, yeah, Phantom Menace. I mean, it's just you just gotta have it. <laughs> just like just complete the complete the train wreck of the uh, trilogy. You or, might as well have the set. Yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, so uh, but yeah, so like, but the trailer is uh, great. Uh, it's pretty nice it's it's gonna be uh, great to have uh, a star wars movie for for christmas from here on out pretty much for every christmas but uh it's pretty good so and also i just want to say mystery science theater new season is out oh yes uh so i've i've seen three or four of the movies so far so it's been great so uh but yeah, my, my local liquor store is doing something with mystery science 3000 i'm trying to figure out how that works but uh i guess that gives new meaning to binge watching so, yes so. that's it <laughs> so but uh, i'm not sure liquor and uh i guess i guess it does go together in bad movies i guess that's pretty good eases the bad movie yeah. pain or something pretty good awesome cool well uh that, yeah. that wraps it up uh simon thanks for joining me on this uh news quest that we do every every so often but always a pleasure cool how can people find you on the internet uh on twitter i'm at s-i-m-o-n-s-t-l uh, my ancient decaying website is simonstl.com. Uh, Simon St. Lawrence on LinkedIn. There is another Simon St. Lawrence who lives in Quebec. Uh, that's not me. Okay. That's good to know. 
what's gonna cool awesome and uh cool we'll hope to talk to you soon cool awesome. great thanks all right need to find this button <laughs> if i can find <laughs> this button i'll turn off the call touch off the recording that'd be great chris i, I actually I have no idea where this button is oh there it is all right, let's see.